Hello and welcome back to another edition of A Trip Down Vicarage Road, the Watford podcast which interviews former players, coaches and managers about their time with the Hornets. I'm your host Bradley Hayden, a freelance sports journalist but most importantly a massive Watford fan for over 10 years. First and foremost, I hope everyone has enjoyed the first two episodes of the series with Richard Lee and Kevin Phillips. But this week, I'm pleased to say that I'm joined by an academy graduate who scored 65 times in over 300 appearances across two spells with the Golden Boys. I'm of course talking about the legend that is Tommy Smith, who funnily enough was the first player I saw score for Watford in my first game at Vicarage Road. Uh, in this week's edition, we'll talk about uh, what it was like to work with the likes of Graham Taylor and Tommy Mooney, uh, what it was like to be promoted as part of that Watford squad, and what it was like to score 17 times during the 2008-09 season. Uh, so here's what Tommy had to say. So here, here we are with, um, with Tommy Smith, a Watford legend who scored over 65 goals in, in 300, over 300 appearances in, in Watford, uh, during his time at Watford. Um, Tommy, for those of you who don't know, um, you're now running, we're, we're meeting in one of your offices in London Colney because you're now a CEO of a, a group of estate agents throughout Watford and the surrounding area. So how did that come about and is property something you've always been interested in? Um, it's quite an odd and a fairly long-winded story actually if I told you all of it. Um, the short way of telling it really is my dad's chartered surveyors and he's uh, he's worked locally Watford St Albans all his life um, <coughs> I realised at around 30 as you do as a footballer you start thinking oh my god what am I going to do when I retire um, I had a, quite a few friends that were going into coaching and management yeah. and it was always something that interested me but um, I think the pressures and speaking to people how tough it can be yeah. Uh, it, I kind of decided maybe just to try something new, a new venture. Um, the opportunity came up to purchase an estate agent or a property consultant, I guess, as well. So it's not just straightforward house sales and lettings. We kind of diversify a bit and look at land as well as building plots, things like that, um, which my dad kind of is his area of expertise as well. So we've got good additional support with him here. Um, obviously, my brother played as well. So it's a venture we took on together and um, it's just snowballed and we found ourselves now with four offices locally, Watford and St Albans, so yeah, 15 odd employees. Um, so massive, massive change, big life change as well. Um, we bought it, I bought it about two years before I retired, so it was up and running and um, it's been a fairly smooth transition for me personally, but on a, on a work level, very, very different obviously mm. suddenly having staff and um, not training every day things mm. that you miss but um, loving the new chapter of my life really and that, that brings you on to my next point do you miss like the camaraderie in, in the dressing room and do you see like the likes of Ben Foster and Adrian Mariapa you, you've played with at Watford and think oh I'd, I'd love to get out there a couple more times and, and play with them um, there's always a part of you that misses football and misses training misses match days yeah. I think I got to 35. I was, I was really lucky. I had a great career. Um, and I don't really have any regrets. So for me, to get to that point, fairly injury-free, I was finding recovery tougher and tougher, and I was getting more and more injury-prone. And I, I felt I could have played maybe another season or two, but it didn't quite happen as I wanted it to. Um, I left Brentford as my last club, and 
it just felt the right time at that mm. point. It, it, the business was getting busier and busier, mm. and it really needed my support to come in. I think so. It, it was just the way it worked out. But yeah. Yeah, I do miss the match days. But I've got colleagues now um, that are brilliant that I work with, and it's not quite the same as the dressing room, but it's it's still good fun, yeah. and I love coming in and seeing everyone every day. So it's not like all is lost, really. Yeah, and you spent two spells at Watford you came through the academy um, how do you reflect on, on your time at, at the club amazing um, I've got a different appreciation now I think having I've got um, a son who's now going through the academy process and he's in the under 12 so I'm now a parent on the outside looking in and it, it does give you a different appreciation I'm at the training ground a fair bit watching him so I see the other young pros that are around the first team that are there so all of a sudden, you're on the other side of the fence. Mm. So um, I've, I've just got big kind of, um, I guess I'm very proud of what I've done in my mm. career. So it's a fantastic club and I feel very lucky to have had a big part in, in a well, small part mm. in a, a very localised history that's recent for the club. But for me, just to have that and um, yeah, Player of the Year award too, mm. little things like that mm. that... Um, you know, I, c I can look back on and uh, really fond memories. Made a lot of good friends. Had some some great members of staff at the club, mm. and some are still there now, amazingly. So, uh, no, it's um, it's a pleasure, and I'm really pleased my son's there, and hopefully can carry on with his journey with him. Would it be fair to say that you played your, your best football during your, your time at Vicarage Road? Um, that's a good question. I I think I probably did yeah. for me personally I think when I returned with AD Boothroyd when we'd been promoted it took me a bit of time to find my feet mm. maybe six months or so but I think that period I've got really fond memories of and there was a three four seasons there with um, Brendan Rogers as well a bit of Malcolm Mackay that I just my confidence I think that was the highest my confidence has mm. ever been and um, yeah you kind of I think as a footballer a lot, a lot is built around your confidence mm. and when you walk on that pitch sometimes there's an element of doubt in what you're doing and, and not very often but just a little bit of doubt can, can certainly affect the way you play and what you do and, and the way you think sometimes and as many as much as footballers won't admit it that is it's, it's a fact and I had two or three seasons there when I pretty much felt like I was going to be the best player on the pitch when I walked on it and um, so I've got some that was probably the time I probably felt in my career that I was playing my best football yeah let's take you back to the beginning you signed for Watford at a, a young age you came through the academy how did you initially sign for Watford and what age did you did you sign for Watford at well funnily enough I actually got released from Watford I must have come along for the under 12 season maybe under 13s around then um, we trained up at Woodside uh, the um, the uh, sports centre there on the AstroTurf and I I wasn't really getting picked for the games on the Sundays and it was a it was quite a good uh, Watford have always had a good good youth set up always strong players a lot of players out of London used to come up and it was big and physical and I was only little and I, I really struggled so I, I left came back probably midway through the under 14 season uh, I'd grown a bit got a bit of confidence I think I got a bit quicker as well kind of bulked up a bit found a bit of muscle from somewhere not much but a little bit 
and yeah I found I could compete a bit more yeah. and I had a bit of pace about me and I, I think I've I kind of worked out how to play yeah. a style of football that I could compete against the bigger lads and that really helped and I was always a late developer but I managed to cling on and just yeah. stay and by about the under 16s had really cemented my way into the team and yeah. became one of the you know one of the mainstays in in the youth setup at that point and got offered a scholarship um, well, it wasn't a scholarship, a YTS as it was called back there, two-year YTS at 16, so left after my GCSEs and, and went into football full-time at 16. And what sort of impact did the academy and, and the coaches you worked with have on your career? Oh, massive. Mm. I can't, I couldn't describe now how important that was for me to get that foundation. Um, I was really lucky to have some, A to be at Watford, I think, because of the way they were set up, that they looked into their youth set up as an important part of the future of the first team. And Kenny Jackett was my youth team manager when I was breaking through. He then went on to be first team manager of Graham Taylor, which couldn't have been better because he obviously had worked with all of the youth players at that time. They then brought in, when Ken left, my youth team manager was a guy called Rob Kelly, um, who does a lot of youth team football for kids he actually moved up um, worked with a lot of first teams but fantastic man really excellent human being just mm. really helped not just on the pitch with what he did but off the pitch um, so I was really lucky to have Rob there and then uh, Jimmy Gilligan who was a big part of Watford's mm. kind of um, playing days and a, a big coach at the club at that time Jim's still around I think he might be at Forest at the moment the last I heard he was at Nottingham Forest but Jim had a big say there, there, there were many others Tom Wally um, of course who played for Watford frightened the life out of me um, along with Ken and then of course Graham Taylor mm. yeah, had a big part of that slightly later when I was just coming out of the youth team into reserves really he played a big part in in making me play men's football mm. and getting me used to playing that um, telling me to try and take the football on the chest when I got a defender behind me because if it came up in the air all I wanted to do was try and flick it on and hope I didn't get whacked by these big ugly yeah. centre halves and he, he said you can't play in the first team if you do that lad you're going to have to take it on the chest if you get whacked you get a free kick um, so it's just little things like that you know um, that held you in good stead um, so I, yeah really lucky with the big characters and the guys that knew and had been there in football and understood the club and what, what was expected of young players to, to progress you mentioned Graham Taylor there. He mm. handed you your, your debut as a, as a second half substitute against Oldham. I think it was in mm. 1997. Describe that moment for you, working all the way up through the through the age groups, and then to come on the pitch at, at Vicarage Road after all that hard work. That must have been a, a surreal feeling for you. Oh, incredible, absolutely incredible. I all a bit of a blur at the time. I think it was the day of. I think it was might have been a night game. Oldham and I was either having lunch on the day of the game or the day before and Ken came over this was when we used to train at Stanmore on Honeypot Lane and this was we used to have to take our own kit home and wash it back then and it was a mud tip so every day you'd rock up in your kit and it could be filthy by the end of it and I had to take it home to my mum and wash my kit back then um, so I was sitting having lunch and Ken came over and said do you want to sit on the bench and I was like yeah of course thinking he meant reserves because I was in and out of the reserves and then um, and he said no first team first team so to get on the bench and then I came on for Ronnie Rosenthal who was ripping the league up at that point it was obviously equivalent to League One now 
Um, so for him, who was a bit of a hero at that time, was you know to get on the pitch, shake hands with him as I came on. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, yeah fantastic. Um, yeah, and to be 17 as well. I don't think I quite appreciated it at the time, but mm. um, yeah, just monumental really for how that kick-started my career. Mm. And obviously Graham sadly passed away a couple of years ago and there's, there's no doubting that he's Watford's greatest ever manager and he'll always be remembered by the, the fans and the supporters at Vicarage Road and there's, there's now a permanent statue outside the, the ground of him where, where people can have pictures taken alongside Graham Taylor. So what sort of impact did he have on your career and do you have any stories that you, you fondly remember of, of Graham? Oh, uh, I've got more stories of Graham Taylor than anyone because he was such a big character. Um, and for me, coming into men's football, it, it was a massive eye-opener anyway mm. to, to suddenly be in a men's dressing mm. room. You know, I've been around the, the training ground a lot, but match day dressing rooms, and they, they're, they're something completely different, different pressures, um, different aggressions. And yeah, it's a lot to take on as, as, quite a, as a 17-year-old boy who... You know, I'm I'm not from a tough part of London. You know, from Hertfordshire, from near Watford. So um, it was a bit, it was a lot to take in quite quickly. And he was brilliant with me. Always arm around the shoulder, and when I needed a kick up the bum, he'd give me a good kick up the bum as well. Um, but uh, so many uh, good stories of of Graham. Um, I'm just trying to think of one that might be able to tell at this point because a lot of them are a bit more um, X-rated. A few swear swear words. Um, but I do remember once we had he he decided he was going to step down and leave and we were playing Burnley away might have been our last away game and it had been announced that Viali was coming in to take over the following season mm. so <laughs> we go down for the team meeting in the morning and he he, 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 he could talk a lot mm. he did, he did he, we'd never have a short meeting with Graham because he'd talk and talk and talk um, and he stood up at the front you never quite know what he was going to say and he had this list, and the list was the room service that the boys had ordered from the night before. <laughs> and because it was last day of the season, I'm pretty sure it was our last game, whether it was the last away game or actual last game, I'm not sure. But he read out room 201, hot chocolate, you know, um, fried breakfast in the morning, uh, you had uh, chips and a, a club sandwich last night and a Coke. Um, room 509 this is what you had and he went through it all and he went absolutely epileptic at people he just went nuts saying if you think Gianluca Vialli is going to have this he said you've got another thing coming and he said I'm going to tell him who's had what he's going to know exactly what you're like and everyone was sat there going oh my god <laughs> um, but yeah that was the kind of man he was he just even though he was leaving to him it was you know it was still everything and yeah. testament to him that that was his professionalism yeah and a year after making your debut, you came off the bench against QPR and you scored your first goal for the for the club within, I think it was a minute or so of you, mm. you coming along, it was your, your first touch. So um, that that must have been a, a moment that you kind of really proved that, OK, I'm, I'm ready, I'm, I'm a first team player here. And, and what do you remember about that goal? Um, I, I vividly remember it, really. Um, it's one of those moments that I think if anyone knows footballers will be able to mm. recall their first goal um, I, I think again it was just surreal it was completely unexpected you sit on the bench mm. and 
I hadn't been involved that much you know, bits and bobs so you kind of feel I hope I get on and yeah. God what if I do get on yeah. you know what am I going to do you know QPR it's quite a hostile place yeah. to go Loftus Road it's pretty yeah. close to the yes. pitch and it's always quite raucous there and we're on a great run pushing for the playoffs so it was a big game at the time yeah. and I remember we were winning game after game and we went one down and then um, got back to one and I think Nicky Wright scored and so we needed a goal and we were pushing and I surprisingly put me on to be honest because he obviously had faith in me which you hoped he would have but at that age you kind of don't quite see it I guess as they as the manager would do but he obviously knew I could go on and do something and yeah I towed a ball out wide and got in the box and second touch finished it in so yeah I just I didn't quite know how to handle any of that really afterwards the press are talking to me interviews I don't think anyone knew who I was really to be honest so it, it was a real baptism of fire of of what foot professional football was like mm. um, and the, the media attention you can get mm. and you, you featured a few times during the promotion season obviously which is well remembered for, for Nicky Wright's very kick at, at Wembley um, mm. how good was that that squad that, and as a youngster at the time what was it like to be around those players and to be around the, the dressing room at that, that time when Wolfe got promoted I think I was really fortunate to be part of that at that time because the club was just on the up and I think it gave me a good insight into how important a good squad and a good team spirit and morale is because we weren't by any means the best 11 players but we just had a togetherness and a team spirit that I never say die attitude um, and you look at on paper the Bolton team we play in the final I think you look at the players and what they've done in their careers compare it to the Watford team and what they've done in their mm. career it, Bolton should have won that mm. and, but it was just yeah, so it's a fantastic experience for me to be part of that and to, to, to see what it's like to be part of a winning team that can win something yeah. at that age and particularly with the team as I said that was put together not bought it was a team that Graham and Ken had, had worked really hard to pull together of players that filled certain roles and mm. um, yeah so to just to be part of that was amazing but yeah to be able to have been on the pitch and score a few goals to help us get there and got a couple of important goals that season mm. for them so that was great and during your first few years when you, you were coming through and, and starting to make a name for yourself you would have played alongside and, and trained with the likes of Tommy Mooney and, and people like that so what sort of impact did, did Tommy Tommy Mooney have on your, on your career as well and what was it like training with him um, I think at that at that stage of my career you just you take bits of every pro that I think does things the right way. Mm. Um, you know, Tom was Tom was really good, really good with me. Um, I just felt we had a bit of a good link up when we played together as well. Um, but he he just a good good pro, really mm. good pro, and very adaptable. Mm. And it. I don't know, it wasn't just him, but I think everyone then, it wasn't, nothing was too much. You know, Tom, you're playing centre-half, you're playing left wing. It, it, yeah, no problem. It was just get on with it, work hard, get your head down, because yeah. you're doing what's right for the team. And that, that you know, th those kind of um, basic um, experiences that kind of taught me how to how to be a good pro and, and what to do and what not to do. But, you know, the, the, that team was full of similar, like-minded people to yeah. Tommy Mooney, just, just really nice guys. So again, yeah, I, I was fortunate to, to be part of that. 
And although it wasn't such a positive season on the pitch after Watford got promoted and into the Premier League or the Premiership, as it was called that time, it was a real breakthrough year for you. You featured a lot. Um, and as a young player, what was it like playing in, in the Premier League? And that goal against Manchester United, was that was that a moment that you felt you really arrived? Um, it's a moment I still bring up all the time now with my son and <laughs> just... I'm sure he's sick of me saying it. No, not really. Um, yeah, look, you know, when you start looking back over the little bits that all add up to then suddenly find yourself in the Premier League scoring against Man United, you, you, you know, it's kind of um, fairy tale stuff, really. So, you know, that, that was a huge part of um, me thinking, actually, I can play at this level if I really get my head down and work hard. Um, this, is, this is what it's like. Um, and again, it's it was just trying to incorporate that without getting too far ahead of yourself, without thinking you've made it. You're young. Um, you know, you've got lots of things going on, lots of people telling you things. Um, so it, it was hard living locally and being local. It it was it was just amazing, really, because I think everyone, all my friends, are Watford fans. So it, there's a real accolade at that point. Um, so yeah, I just was loving life at that point, as you can imagine. And a couple of years after that, Graham left and Gianluca Vialli, who you mentioned earlier, came yeah. in. I know a lot of Watford fans don't really like to remember that, that yeah. season under, under Vialli, but for you, you were, you were top scorer under him that year. So what was he like to, to work with and did he maybe help to improve you or, or give you some tips and training to, to push you along? Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah, obviously, he's a fantastic centre forward, so he gave me a lot. Um, it was a bit of a shame. Really. I think up till Christmas, we were really doing well as a team, and well, we were showing elements of being a good team. Um, the consistency wasn't quite there, but I was really enjoying my football. I think I scored quite a lot up until about Christmas, and then I don't know. Just things just started to turn a little bit and you could, it's really hard to put your finger on why because mm. he's, he's, a, he's a nice man Gianluca he's, he's very temperamental mm. um, if you lost he'd be grumpy all week he was one of them he wouldn't talk to you in the, in the hallways if you saw him because it, it, it meant so much yeah. to him which is brilliant but at the same time I don't know if that worked we had a, a real split of players as well at that point where we had the old players and the old guard that had been there, then all the new players that came in with the newfound revenue that the club seemed to have. And there was a real split in wages. And with that, it does create divides mm. in dressing rooms. And whatever you say, it's really hard to be playing alongside a player that has, you know, your room has started. Mm. Yeah, that might be earning four times more than the player you're playing next to. It, it, it's just think there's something in the club you can't do mm. and I, it just didn't work mm. um, and it was all great to start with because everyone thought you know we're all going to get promoted and it's going to be great and we'll all be earning or I think players thought we might be earning a bigger money than the other some of the group were and then when it became clear it wasn't quite going to happen then I think that's probably why the wheels came off a little bit and I know there was financial difficulties for the club as well I think that's when ITV Digital at the time went bust and mm as players took pay cuts and things like that to help support the club through this tough time mm. so yeah unfortunately it didn't quite work out but um, I, I, he was he was good fun to work with while it was going well he was he was great 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 and, and good to learn of 
and the following season under that under Ray Lewinton, you played mm. a crucial role in, in the FA Cup run. Yeah. The twice taken penalty against yeah. Sunderland is one I always remember and sticks out to me. Yeah. What what was going through your head at that time? Because to have to retake it and for, for your first effort to be saved, it's requires a lot of confidence, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, the first penalty was terrible. Actually, um, it deserved to be saved. It's I don't know. I'm always one of those, I've always been one of those players. I'd rather put myself out there than take it and miss, mm. or be the one to take that on your on your yeah. shoulders, than palm it off to somebody else and hope they might score. You know, I think always take your own destiny in your hands when you can. So I'd, I'd always take penalties throughout my career if. If a manager said who wants penalties, I'd always, yeah. I'd always take them. I, I took a lot throughout my career, so um, yeah, horrible to have to retake one because you're suddenly thinking, right, do I go the same way? Do yeah. I go a different way? And actually, the second penalty was pretty dreadful as well. But I was so safe. I think the keeper almost dived past it and it hit his arm, and still it went in. So it went in. That's all that yeah. matters really at the time. Yeah. I'm a bit fortunate, but hey ho. And. When I sort of got a message of someone in the week, and they said you've got to remind Tommy of when he scored against Burnley in the quarterfinal that mm. that season to the winner, mm. what was that like for you, and what do you remember about that one? That again, it got fond memories of that. I there, there was a bit of a build up to that goal, mm. so I'd had a car crash um, two weeks earlier, and um, not my fault, mm. I want to add, but a guy had driven into the side of me, uh, me and my my partner at the time. And uh, we, we it, it was quite nasty actually. So yeah, I'd spent a night in hospital, nothing serious, but just bad bruising and mm. stuff. Um, but got checked over. So I'd really bad whiplash, and mm. I didn't play the weekend build up to it, and then literally got back just in time to play in that game. And mm. I remember it was an awful game, awful. There were hardly any chances, but I remember one just dropped. It was about a yard out, and I turned it in. So yeah, brilliant. It. I've always been quite lucky. I'd say lucky. I've, I've always scored goals in the FA Cup. I just it seems to have been one of those cup tournaments that yeah. I've enjoyed, and the atmosphere always seems good. And um, yeah, they're always great days. I was used to love playing FA Cup matches, yeah. and I've got a really good record of playing in the games. And um, yeah, that was that was that was a brilliant day to get through because obviously the semi final was at Villa Park. We ended up playing um, who did we play in Southampton. Um, that's another story, but yeah, so it, it was a big day, a big day to get to that far in the, in the cup. You mentioned Southampton there. Yeah. I think you were, you dropped for that, that yeah. semi-final as well. Mm. And you went on to play, I think it was something like three or four times more for, for Watford after that, before you, you moved on. Yeah. Was that one of the main reasons why you decided to, to go, or was there other, other issues at the time? Uh, do you know what? Um, uh, there's, it was an interesting time in my career, really, because I... I was stagnating a bit, to be honest. I had had this whirlwind up to a certain age, 22 maybe, and things had gone right for me all the way along. And I think this was the first kind of bit of adversity I was facing. That I, I don't know, things didn't work out that way out well under Ray Lewington. Um, I, I, I did feel I should have played in the semi, having scored in the last two rounds. and picked a lone player in front of me which you know I, I didn't understand at the time I still don't to be honest but you know, as a manager you, you do it I've, I've seen Ray since mm. recently and we had a chat and a laugh you know he's a, he's a lovely man but you know I, I held a grudge against him um, I really just wasn't enjoying my football and I, 
I was mainly playing, but I was starting to be on the bench a little bit. And I, ju- I think I just needed a fresh start. Mm. I think I needed, I've been at Watford since I was 14. Mm. I think I just needed something different. Mm. Um, and I kind of, Watford offered me a contract and I was up at the end of that season, my contract, but the one they offered me was actually, it was a worse contract than the one I was on. And I think when that offer came through, I was like, that's actually, I'm pleased because it's made me real, I, I need to go. If they'd have offered me a good contract, I'd have probably stayed and it would probably been the worst thing I could have done. So I was quite pleased. It was a bit of a, um, a, a kind of a kick up the bum that I needed. It was kind of like, well, if you stay, this is how we value you at the moment. And fair enough, to be honest. I'd, as I said, I felt I probably was stagnating. So it was the best time for me to move on. Mm. And after a season at Sunderland and mm. a couple of years at, at Derby, you came back to Watford just as they got promoted back into the Premier League again. What persuaded you to come back to the club? And did you notice much of a change from when, when you were first there? Yeah, oh, huge. Still trained at the same place. It looked exactly the same. Um, I was... I was at Derby when I left to come to Watford and actually I'd, I was going to sign with Neil Warnock at Sheffield United and that had been ongoing for about four weeks. Billy Davis was the manager at Derby and he was being, he was an odd, odd manager, really. Yeah, he, he was treating me very strangely because I'd had a couple of fantastic years at Derby and I'd done really, really well and Billy came in and I, w- I was pretty much, at that point, one of the first players on the team sheet. And I don't know, he just... He never said he wanted me to stay. I was into my last year of my contract, and he—it was just really bizarre. I, I, even now, I don't quite know what he wanted from me. And he—I'd have loads of meetings with him, but he'd never say he wanted me to stay. He never—he didn't offer me a new contract. And it was coming to kind of um, the end of the transfer window, and Sheffield United had been interested for a little while, and Neil Warnock had been interested in me as a player for a few years. So I. I think we, the Derby and Sheffield United and my agent were all kind of talking and it looked like it had been going for about three weeks. It looked like I was going to Sheffield United. And um, I remember I, I remember this vividly as well. I, uh, it was a couple of days before deadline day and um, I got a call from my agent and I assumed it was to go up because I was going to go up and meet Sheffield United and meet Neil at the training ground, have a look around and do the medical. And uh, he said, oh, Watford are coming for you. And I know as soon as he said it, I was like, brilliant, yeah, let's go back. Um, you know, he didn't really have to convince me. Um, I, d- I think I felt I had a point to prove to go back. Um, I felt I left and when I went back to play against Watford, I think I got a fairly good reception, but I got a few little things. I, I, I don't know, I felt like I, I, I really needed that challenge at, at that point. I was like, I'm a better player now, um, back home for me. I'd got um, I'd got my uh, my eldest child at that point was one years old so I just thought the whole thing just worked out really well for me off and on the pitch mm. and that season AD in that summer was so seemingly so confident he was going to keep Watford up I yeah. remember sort of a newspaper headline at the time just after the, the promotion season like, I'm going to keep Watford up in the Premier yeah. League it sadly didn't work out that way unfortunately so was there a sense of disappointment or what might have been amongst that dressing room at the end of that season because there was a couple of games that slipped away mm. right at the end or you, it was a couple of times if you win and go into the final minutes and you concede and have, get one point instead of three so yeah. was that was there a feeling of oh, if we'd have got a couple more points here and there we could have 
we could have could be back in the Premier League for another for another season or so. Yeah, very much, very much. I think we did everything we possibly could to have stayed up in the squad we had. We were a bit unlucky with a couple of injuries. I know we lost Marlon King for the season. And I think there was a stat that if games had finished on the 80th minute that season, we'd have finished 14th or something like that. So it was always, we were nearly good enough to stay up, but in the end we weren't. And I think we put so much into to, to games that by the last 10 minutes we were fatiguing. Mm. And that showed, and I think sadly it was it, it, uh, maybe a bit of luck mm. gone our way. Might have been different, but yeah, a league table doesn't lie with me. Mm. And if you go down, you go down because you're mm. one of the three worst teams in that league. And we probably were. Um, I think we probably lacked a bit of quality, um, a bit of. Um, we need to probably be a bit more clinical. Mm. I think we struggle for goals, um, and perhaps if we had just a little bit of a change in there might have been different but mm. yeah disappointing but you know it, it's not like a cut run where you suddenly are out you, it was a build up we, we knew we were fighting all the way through mm. the season so when you go down you, you're sad and it, it hits you really really hard but at the same time you know we're at the right club to give it a go the next season because most of the lads there I, I knew probably wanted to stay so mm. it's not all doom and gloom mm. Couple of seasons after that, back in the championship, um, 2008-09 season under AD and Brendan Rodgers yeah. towards the end of it, you finished that season as top scorer of 17 goals. Was that the best season of your career in sort of in front of goal? Would you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I, uh, on a personal point of view, I I almost felt that season um, untouchable. I I'd, I'd, I'd honestly walk on the pitch and. No, I was going to be the best player. And that's kind of I, I, things just seemed to click for me then. Um, I loved Brendan. Ka you know, I loved AD. He was brilliant, um, and I felt I really improved under him. And he, he he really helped me develop on and off the pitch. Brendan came in and carried that on as well. Mm. And Brendan just seemed to add just that little thing that I, I felt I needed to really take me onto the next level. Um, but if, whatever it, you know, his training was fantastic and just yeah just really suited me his style of football and he had me really central pivotal just behind the front man and I loved playing that role um, and I, yeah yeah just I really enjoyed that season I think looking back it probably is one I enjoyed the most I had quite a lot of assists as well um, as an Opta Index I was the best midfielder in the league that year in the championship on points that they gave out so yeah, little things I had to look back on that I remember and you form over that season and the season beforehand so you win player of the season at Watford back to back yeah. and a couple of years ago you were inducted into Watford's Hall of Fame as mm. well so that must fill you with, with immense pride that the fact you've done that and, and Watford recognise how much you did for the club as well during your time there yeah I, yeah, it's amazing it really is um, yeah to, to the, the back to back the player of the season awards is um, in a team game you, you know you, you, you do what's right for the team mm. so to then get an accolade on your individuality and, mm. and for, for what you've done mm. and for that to get noticed is amazing mm. um, so to get that back to back years at Watford I picked one up at Derby as well so little things like that personally those achievements are fantastic you know they really when you work your socks off all season 
to get something like that means to every player that wins one means it does mean so much um, and then yeah to get inducted into the Hall of Fame once I've retired you kind of feel like your football's behind you and um, so to get that recognition as well was, was fantastic and you know fairness to the club they were brilliant invited all my family down to the end of season awards and looked after us really really well made a really special night of it so um, yeah just that was that was an absolute delight and someone who you would have played with during your second spell at the club is Adrian Mariapa, who's back at Watford. Um, he's been a, a real important figure for the, for the club this season in defence. Mm. He's been he's been a regular as well over the past couple of seasons. You must be pleased and to see him doing so well at the club now. Oh, delighted. He's um, when I was right wing as it was back then under AD and, and Maps was right back coming through, and it was fantastic talent, brilliant. Um, I used to love playing with him because. So often you get a right back who just wanted to punt the ball down the line and kind of worry about defending, whereas Maps was always really capable on the football, wanted to attack. Um, really, as a young player, took on instructions really well and actually listened and wanted to develop some. I'm not surprised. He, he was a really good pro back then. Um, so when I go back and watch now, I'm just delighted to see him in there because he kind of... It's not easy. It's a Premier League team now with with a lot of funds behind them and all credit to him that he's seen off some players that have come in and mm. gone and he's he's you know bedrock of that team now mm. and with the likes of him and Troy Deeney Tom Cleverley um, you know it's just great Ben Foster they've got a real core of, of players that I think kind of know what Watford's about mm. and, and that to me is is what the fans love as well and it you know so um, all credit to him I'd, you know, he deserves everything he gets, and I do bump into him from now to now. I, don't, I, I won't be this nice to him when I see him, but um, you know, he's a, he's a lovely guy, so he deserves, uh, you know, deserves everything he gets really. And you scored a, a couple of times against Watford for QPR. Probably QPR fans will remember the goal you scored against Watford to send them up at, yeah. at Vicarage Road. It must have been mixed emotions for you. It's such an important goal, but then again, you you've done it against a club that obviously means so much to you as well. Oh, that was really tough actually because it was a roller coaster season with QPR. And we, we, when you've been at the top under all that pressure for mm. all season, and you know if you win a game, you get promoted, mm. and then for it to fall against Watford, and mm. you know, when you play against your old teams, you always want to do well, you always want to give the best account of yourself that you can because you want the team and the fans to kind of go, oh. Yeah, but we miss him, and I yeah. wish he played for us still. That kind of yeah, that's your professional pride. So you always want to score against your old teams, um, and that's not in a disrespectful way. Um, it's just you want to you know show that this is the player you are. And um, but that particular goal, because it meant so much to the QPR fans, and um, you know to do it at, at, at Brickridge Road, I didn't. You know there was I was obviously delighted, but at the same time I, I was. I like to think um, I was respectful in the way I celebrated and mm. you know it, that, that wasn't easy in itself but um, you know Watford's got a massive place in, in my heart so um, yeah it'll always be a special club and when you see someone like Richard Johnson who's now back involved on a match day sort of basis they're doing bits and pieces if an offer was ever made to you to be like a club ambassador or to be involved around match days is that something that you'd, you'd be keen to, to take up if that offer should arise or, or, or did arise um, yeah, most definitely. Um, I, I've had conversations with the club about certain things. Um, nothing's 
materialised just yet. But yeah, of course, look, I, I'm local. Um, I still go a fair amount to watch the club. So, you know, something like that would uh, would be an absolute pleasure. Um, I still speak to Richie. Um, so he's done fantastically well, gone, gone in at the club full time now and working on that side on the match day, a bit of marketing as well for them. So he's, you know, he's, he's, um, he's a massive asset for the club as well. Um, but yeah, if I can help out, I'd love to. It's always great to go back. And three quick fire questions to finish off. Favourite goal in the Watford shirt? Um, Man United home at Vicarage Rose, yeah. yeah. Funniest in the dressing room? Oh, Jesus. Um, that's a tough question. <laughs> it's, it's been that long, you know. Um, at Watford, uh, I, it would probably be Malky Mackay and Sean Dyche together because yeah. they're the two loudest um, people I've ever known and they'd always try and out shout each other and, yeah. So probably one of those two altogether. I've heard a couple of stories about Diet Chief and Richard Lee in terms of uh, ripping him apart in terms of his, his fashion sense. Yeah. Do you ever do that to you? Um, I was quite conservative. I mean, Richard's <laughs> fashion sense is terrible, so I'm not surprised. Maybe Daishi normally deflected back then. But Daishi, yeah, Daishi was one of the loudest men you could wish yeah. to meet, um, along with Malky. So the pair of them in the dressing room, particularly when Malky was manager and Daishi was assistant manager, the front of the bus on away journeys was just, yeah, you'd have to ask them to turn it down a bit sometimes. <laughs> and lastly, best player you played with during your time at Watford? Um, again, really good question. Um, ba -ba -ba -da -ba. I'd probably say, I'm fortunate to play with some fantastic players. Um, I'd probably say, Ashley Young yeah. is probably as an all-round player against all the adversity he faced when he was young to come yeah. through and do what he did and, and the ability he's got and to look at him now yeah, um, yeah I've got a lot of admiration for him um, and a hell of a talent as yeah. well uh, probably didn't get the credit he deserved I don't think um, I know he played for some big clubs but he was just you know two-footed um, made, made, just makes the game look really easy um, so yeah I'd, I'd probably say Ashley so that was my interview with Tommy Smith at his London Colney offices. Uh, it was really good to speak to Tommy. He's a really, really nice guy. And I wish him all the best in his new business uh, venture that, that he, he's doing at the moment. Uh, personally, I, I really enjoyed that interview because I felt we got through a lot of topics. And we unearthed some stories that I certainly didn't know about sort of Graham Taylor and why, why he left and why Tommy left Watford in the first place. Uh, and why all wasn't well behind the scenes and, and, and that he, he might be coming an ambassador at the club in the future. So that's definitely one to, to keep an eye on and I'll, I'll definitely be hopefully catching up with, with Tommy once again soon. Uh, if, if you have liked this podcast, please do like, share and subscribe. Uh, and if you'd like to follow the podcast on Twitter, you can find it on at Vicarage Road Pod. You can also find me on Twitter as well at Bradley Hayden 11 and if you would like to send in any suggestions or any guest ideas for any future podcasts, you'd be more than welcome to tweet me on either handle or you can send me an email on at tripdownvicarageroad at gmail.com. One other thing is that the podcast is now on iTunes as well. If you go on your, your iPhone or your, your iPad and go on the Apple iTunes store, 
If you're under podcast, if you search a trip down Vicarage Road, you should be able to find us and, and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, thanks again for listening. I really hope you enjoyed it, just like the Richard Lee and Kevin Phillips episodes. Uh, and we'll be back, hopefully, with another podcast soon with, an, with another special uh, guests that hopefully you'll enjoy um, in the meantime thanks again for, for listening in and most importantly come on you horns